Yeah, absolutely. It was clear when the regulations came out, there would be porpoising issues unless teams knew what to do about it. And this from the guy that designed effectively the aerodynamics of the Lotus 79 and the Lotus 80, which was the greatest porpoising car of all time. And he knew there were going to be issues. And he actually sent an email to James Allison before oh. the start of the year saying, good luck, good luck, James. You know, oh. how are you going to handle the porpoise? And I think that ability to read what the guy behind is doing and to anticipate it is, you know, that's a Lewis Hamilton type talent mm -hmm. that he's now developing. And, and that's a really impressive thing to see. Potentially, Red Bull are now going to be bringing Audi or Porsche, whatever, into, the, into Formula One as well in some form or another. That's big for Formula One. I mean, the last thing the FAA want to be doing is annoying Dietrich Mateschitz to the point where he's saying, I can't, my cars can't compete unless the, the playing field is even. Mr. Windsor, welcome once again to the F1 Hour and the Cameron F1 channel. Friend of the channel, by the way, third appearance. How are you doing, sir? I'm really good, thanks. Yeah. Fresh, fresh for, oh, mate, always a privilege to have you on. Fresh for your, from your inaugural twitch.tv forward slash Peter Windsor stream. <laughs> Go and check that out, peddlers, if you haven't already. Peter Windsor in long form talking F1. Are you having a laugh? Going to make me divorce my missus over here. She's or make her divorce me even since I'm spending <laughs> so much time. How are you getting on, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for those kind comments. And uh, yeah, Twitch is quite interesting because I quite like the idea of. I've always loved the idea of sort of live TV, if particularly if it's about something I have a reasonable interest in, i.e., Formula One or perhaps a couple of other sports. And so here we are doing it, really, and um, it really lends itself to long form chats and uh, from the point of view of hopefully from the fans it's an opportunity just to dive in and out if you want to you know i'm there for a while and uh, in any any given live stream and if, don't worry if you think the question might have been asked earlier but you missed it ask it again it's no problem i'm not you know that's what we're here for so yeah that. it's good and we'll be having a few interesting guests as time goes on and a few more interesting locations at the moment you need to bear with us because the technology is something a we're trying to get our head around and i think to some extent twitch are as well because this isn't gaming which is what twitch was designed for this is live streaming uh you know with long live streams question and answers and you need to get a few things we need to get a few things right and for example yesterday i did a perfectly normal live stream on a mobile phone and then did another live stream on a mobile phone today and for some reason the resolutions come out all wrong on the on the platform even though when i was live streaming and watching the picture it was absolutely perfect as was the sound but that's one of the annoying things you can't actually see the finished product until two hours later when you finish the live stream and you suddenly see oh well, that's not very good why, why is it like that it's TV too late to do anything but you know oh, that's life in the big city we'll i suppose so hopefully we'll get it right and over a trial and error period we'll get it to be pretty TV. watchable i hope teething issues already very watchable yeah. and listenable mr windsor well, might i add much. incredible thank work should we talk f1 very quickly yeah yeah so sure yeah time. whatever you like cameron um yeah. all right so let's talk about the canadian grand prix yeah i've of course watched your streams i want to I, I suppose that if i get to the crux of it um are we on the cusp of an era of max verstappen dominance peter and the only reason why i say that right is because a la lewis circa 2007 and michael schumacher in 92 93 let's say i'm starting to see max do things that are very, very difficult and make them look really easy, a la keeping Carlos Sainz behind him on six-lap fresher hard tyres. 
in the last 15, 16 laps of the Canadian Grand Prix on the weekend. Am I right to be getting a bit excited by Mr. Verstappen and, and his exploits in um, in that Red Bull? Yeah, I think he's... Obviously, it was a very closely fought year, 2021. And whether he lucked into the championship on that last lap <laughs> is, you know, we can talk about that forevermore. But nonetheless, he was right there and he was in the running and he won races, a lot of races. So everything was there. And then he's now world champion. So he can relax a little bit. He's world champion but now it's a different max a different season different cars different challenges and now he's we're seeing some other things i mean i i always thought that in defense against lewis and last year he looked a little bit ragged mm. and i always blamed basically the management red bull for that on the basis that they're probably saying to him look you know if lewis is near you remember that if you're both out of the race it's a great result for you because you're ahead on points and Absolutely. so i think he was doing things that were pretty over the top actually aggressive and and i thought last year back end of last year lewis's ability not to be taken out of the race by max was outstanding mm. and i think we saw a little bit of that in reverse in canada where he in defense against carlos science he was I don't think we should undervalue the, the quality of his driving in the last 15 laps of that Canadian Grand Prix, because as you say, you know, newer tires on the Ferrari, also more top speed, even when they were not in DRS, we're talking like six kilometers an hour quicker. Oddly that the Ferrari was much quicker than the Red Bull than it had been in qualifying. And I was talking to an FIA guy about this today. And they said, yeah, that's not the only slightly weird thing that we're starting to see in terms of, top speeds that change dramatically between what we've had in, in Friday and Saturday and then what we see in the race. And they're starting to get a little bit um, wary of what the teams might be doing with rear wings over, you know, going into the race. So that's another thing, whether we're talking flexing, I don't know, but there's certainly some issues going on there, but the Ferrari was incredibly quick in a straight line compared with the Red Bull. Forget DRS. Obviously yeah. in DRS, it, it was an even bigger difference. So given all of that, you know, Max drove incredibly well in defense, I think. For a start, no mistakes. But beyond that, timing his... I mean, we saw a lot about how, how Carlos was charging the car and timing his moves. Well, the acceleration runs, etc., very well. But what we didn't really... What was not talked about very much is how well Max was also doing that and anticipating what Carlos was going to do. And I think that ability to read what the guy behind is doing... And to anticipate it is, you know, it's a Lewis Hamilton type talent that he's now developing. And, and that's a really impressive thing to see. So, yeah, his, 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 now that he's got this car, which is obviously patently, at least if not better than a Ferrari and certainly better than anything else on the grid, then we're seeing Max now consolidating everything that grew around him, culminating that championship last year and now building on that. And he's got this great car as the platform in which to do that. So the longevity of Max's position in Formula One as a driver who's preeminent and either going to win or be on the podium virtually every race, that's continuing now into the, you know, the middle future, isn't it? The middle term. And uh, it puts him right up there with some very, very great drivers in that sense. Absolutely. So beware the rest of the grid, a mature, more composed borderline stoic Max Verstappen is going to be a, a very hard man to beat, not only in the 2022 season, but here yeah. on in, right, until he retires. Um, I was going to ask you a question, Peter, on mm. the directive 
to solve porpoising? And I know it's very much mm. still in the works and you've probably got an inside line as to how they're going to implement it. But myself as a, a part-time casual, part-time diehard purist, I'm still asking myself whether, of course, they need to keep safety at the forefront of everything they do, the FIA, mm. the governing body. Mm. But I know... As an example, Alpha in the design of their car shorten their wheelbase with a view to kind of stick to the or, or get as close to the minimum weight as possible. Then all the teams are up in arms, or we can't make the minimum weight, increase it from 850 to 895. Mm. Similar things going on with the cost cap. Um, similar thing with the Alpine floor. Build a super rigid floor because we know stays are outlawed put extra weight into the car, say Alpine. And now all of a sudden all the teams go, oh, up in arms, let's get stays in there to solve the porpoising. Similar thing with the porpoising, why? Are FIA then, Peter, very long-winded way of asking you this question, doing the right thing in um, amending the rules real-time mid-season and disadvantaging the guys like Red Bull who have clearly got a design concept that manages and handles the porpoising better than say the W13 of the Mercedes. Is that the right decision, Peter? No, I think it's the wrong decision. And you know, to continue your thought process, uh, I could see where that was going. And I agree with you because you can't, it's in, totally inappropriate to do that. And I think we're beginning to see the teams and the FAA realizing that that's, impossible to do because they went they announced on the sort of thursday wednesday before canada this new technical directive and how much they were going to be looking at vertical oscillation and mm. curb strike and everything else and monitoring ride heights and and then they backed away a little bit when they saw the reaction of some of the teams by the time the canadian grand prix weekend was underway it wasn't quite as aggressive but there remains in the background the plan in inverted commas to come up with some sort of ruling which will define ride heights and therefore will etch in stone what you can actually do with the diffusers and, and the ride height against stiffness so i think what we're seeing now is some of the teams that obviously would love to see the regulations revised because they haven't done a very good job over the winter talking as much as they can about the safety issue to do with the drivers, maybe more than is reality in some cases. Not obviously, I don't want to in any way suggest that it's not bad for some drivers and some teams, i.e., Mercedes. But at the same time, I think we're seeing the drivers of the cars which have had less problems, i.e., Red Bull and Ferrari, obviously saying, and, and not only the drivers, but the team principals and the, and the owners saying, you know, you can't start changing the regulations halfway through the year. And so that's where we're at. And I, I to me, it was an FIA um, technical directive that was issued at the wrong time at the wrong place and wasn't probably thought through correctly. And I don't know, but that's a function of the new new era of the FIA in which we are now. I don't know. I mean, some very good people on the ground, obviously. But, you know, it does remind us that a lot of what happened at Abu Dhabi with Michael Massey making that big mistake was because he was getting a massive amount of noise in both ears on one side, Mercedes on the other side, Red Bull. And 
whether he decided to go the Red Bull way or whether he just got confused or whether he just panicked, I don't know. I don't think any of us will ever know. But there was certainly a lot of noise going on around him. And I think what we saw in Canada is a result of the similar sort of noise. Obviously, there's Mercedes there saying it's dangerous. Drivers cannot be seen to be getting out of the car, holding their back. It's not great for the image of Formula One. It's not good for the safety of the drivers. They got enough safety issues as it is. It's wrong. We shouldn't be having it. And on the other hand, you've got Red Bull saying, well, you know, in that case, why don't you design a car as we did and, and have no porpoising? And, and so never the twain shall meet in that way. I thought it was interesting that Lewis said over the Canadian Grand Prix weekend, you know, it's amazing how things change or how drivers say one thing privately and another thing in yeah. public, because Max was saying that he's even he's had been suffering from porpoising. And yet when it comes down to it now, he's saying that the regulations shouldn't be changed halfway through the year. And I think... In fairness to Max, I mean, Lewis would say that, wouldn't he? Because if, if Lewis goes up to Max in a driver's briefing behind closed doors where it's private and says to Max, have you got porpoising as well? How's your back, mate? What's Max going to say? Max isn't going to say to Lewis, oh, I've got no porpoising at all. At all. <laughs> no problem yeah. with my back. It's incredible. <laughs> He's going to say in a sort of Nigel Mansell-esque way, yeah, I've got terrible porpoising. Yeah, my back's <laughs> killing me. You know, obviously not to wind up Lewis, but to show that, you know, he's a race driver too, but he's getting through the porpoising. But when it comes down to, wow, you've changed the regulations. Uh, or, or let me rephrase it. If Lewis had said to Max, Max, um, can I ask you a question? Under the heading of, if you've got porpoising, I think we all agree that we should change the regulations now. Have you got porpoising? What's Max going to say? He's going to say, Forget it, mate. I ain't going to change the regulations at all. Live with it, isn't he? Of course he's going to say that. So I don't think, you know, Max's reaction and the way he supposedly changed his view is actually reality. What it is is just normal human nature. Game of course change. he's going to say that to Lewis. And of course he's not going to want the regulations changed. Duh. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, and of course Mercedes are going to want the drivers to be talking about the safety issue as much as possible because nothing would be better for Mercedes than the FIA to say, right, new minimum ride height rule, many stays as you want, stiffen the floor, increase the weight limit even more. Uh, you know, all those things that might help Mercedes, of course they're going to want that, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's where we're at. And it's kind of a shame, really. I, th I think the, the ultimate problem is that the rule makers didn't anticipate the issues of porpoising. And whilst there were many other things they did talk about, turbulence here, is it going to affect the front wing of the car behind? They were more concerned about that than they were about actually what these cars were going to be like. And as you know, I did an interview with Peter Wright uh, quite a while ago now when the porpoising thing had surfaced. And he said, yeah, absolutely. It was clear when the regulations came out, there would be porpoising issues and this teams knew what to do about it. And this from the guy that designed effectively the aerodynamics of the Lotus 79 and the Lotus 80, which was the greatest porpoising car of all time. And he knew there were going to be issues. And he actually sent an email to James Allison before oh. the start of the year saying, good luck, good luck, James. You know, oh. how you can handle the porpoising. So it was out there. It was a problem out there to be faced. It's just that some team didn't realize it was there to be faced. And oh full day, you got to say don't say that, Peter. That's new information to me. Mm. Why didn't they act? Okay, final question then, Peter, as we round third base. Mm. Um, do you think, in my mind, the implementation of this directive as a rule, if and when they do get to it, 
should be very much safety led. There should be conversations had with clinicians and, and spinal subject matter experts. And it should go something like, what is the minimum amplitude or oscillation um, that, that we can have in F1 that doesn't cause short, medium or long-term damage to the drivers, right? And whatever number these clinicians come out with, whether that's one, 1.1, 1 .1, whatever, that should then be the minimum or maximum threshold for this vertical oscillation porpoising. I have a feeling, if I know anything about the FIA and um, the, the Chinese wall or lack thereof between the FIA and the FOM, that potentially they're going to look at what could become a bit of a monopoly of a championship and very dominating by Red Bull and that it will be competition-led. They'll do something to try and, whatever, wherever they put the threshold, I can see the FI putting it in a place to make sure, to disadvantage the likes of Red Bull and Ferrari to make the competition closer. What do you reckon, Peter, with your inside track? Am I on the money far away? And how, how, how much can you say? I, I'm not surprised that you think that way. I think you're over... I think you're giving them a bit more credit for being able to come up with rules that would be that effective and that focused on, on what's reality. And I, and I think you need to bear in mind that Red Bull would already be thinking what you're saying. And so they already would have been putting together the next Aero program that not, not necessarily would meet that FAA requirement, but would make the FIA perhaps make uh, a rule change that, they're not thinking you're making now yeah. in other directions. So as I say, it's a very complicated issue. When you want to go down that route, it's unbelievably complicated under the heading of how do you actually monitor the differences between the cars and the oscillation developed by a Mercedes and a Ferrari and a Red Bull? Mm. How do you take into account the difference between the cars and anyway some some cars have more oscillation at some circuits than at others and some cars from one circuit to another are completely different anyway so it's a difficult thing if you want to start pinpointing a rule change that will help the championship be more competitive it's a very difficult thing to do and i don't think they will be doing that i think um i think that you know it's even difficult to say to a spinal expert, what is, the, what is the acceptable limit? Because what are they applying that to? Are they applying it to a Lewis Hamilton who's been racing Formula One for 15 years? Or are they applying it to a Yuki Sonoda, you know, who's very young, supple Japanese driver, you know, a completely different spine, I would have thought. So even that is difficult. Yeah. And, and if you've then got the power of Red Bull saying, we don't want any changes until we all sit down and agree the changes for the following year or whatever it is, which I'm sure they'll do, we don't want any mid-season changes, I don't think anything will happen because Dietrich Mateschitz is a massively powerful man in Formula One. And you can't start playing around with his investment in terms of what the team have done with his money. And to put it bluntly, 
and, and potentially Red Bull are now going to be bringing Audi or Porsche or whatever into, the, into Formula One as well in some form or another. That's big for Formula One. I mean, the last thing the FAA want to be doing is annoying Dietrich Mateschitz to the point where he's saying, I can't, my cars can't compete unless the, the playing field is even. I know Mercedes are powerful as well. I know Ferrari are powerful, but there's three very powerful entities there. And there's no way in the world, I think, Red Bull would, would give ground to either of those two. Ferrari are not in the middle. They're much more on the Red Bull side. But, but here's another point. If you, if you want to even up the field in order to bring Mercedes closer to, to Red Bull, by doing that, you might actually make Ferrari less competitive. So would they want to do that? There's another problem. How do, you, how do you juggle so many balls, Peter? Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. Eh? You know, if they really want to help the season be more uh, and have a closer year, they would. The one rule change that I would support 100% straight away would be forget about driver penalties on grid positions. If oh. they have to take an excess engine, we will just take points out of the constructors' Absolutely. championship, and we don't want a Charles Leclerc starting from the back of the grid anymore through no fault of his own. That is hurting the championship much more than anything else. And it was ludicrous that it is ludicrous that that penalty was even allowed. I think it's, I know, I know why I know all the money issues, everything else, but there has to be a better penalty for it than that. I couldn't agree with that more. Had I been at the Montreal Grand Prix, Gilles Villeneuve circuit, and they'd done that and deprived me of what would have yeah. been an epic clash. There's a lot of Ferrari fans in Canada, a lot. <laughs> and, and it's not because the Canadians love Ferrari. Ferrari are big in Canada, really big in Canada. And, and a lot of Italian descent, in particularly in that part of Canada as well, in Montreal. So, you know, that would have been, well, it is. It's just a horrendous thing to have done, really. Egregious. Egregious, Peter. Um, final one from me. Again, you've mm. been super generous with your time. Yeah, I've never no heard you make a prediction, Peter. Can I tease one out of you for the Silverstone Grand Prix? Well, when Daniel Ricciardo won Hungary, I did a prediction on Sky the week before that he was going to win Hungary. So I do do predictions periodically. I predicted Greg Norman would win the British Open when he did it that year as well. well let's go. So <laughs> uh, some of them I get luck. completely wrong. <laughs> but the British Grand Prix... The problem is with predictions. I never like to be boring and state the obvious. And the (laughs) obvious is obviously Max Verstappen and the Red Bull. Mm. So I don't know. In order not to be boring, let me say Charles Leclerc and the Ferrari because A, I'd love to see him do it. And B, he might just have the speed. I mean, my gut tells me that Red Bull are probably going to have a better all-around package on race day than Ferrari at Silverstone. But Obviously, weather could come into play, mm. and and I and I was saying on the on the live stream earlier on Twitch that I think another factor is going to be crosswinds at Silverstone and how Red Bull react to crosswinds in general is one of the issues of the weekend, and how Ferrari prepare for that. I think you'd have to say Red Bull will probably do a better job of preparing for the issues of crosswind if if it is. A bit of an issue and I, you know, I can't imagine it won't be going into corners like Beckett's or potentially into Cops as well yeah absolutely and if past this prologue then Red Bull are nailing the preparation right they're a million miles down the field from the rest of the field at the moment they keep on making errors at every single corner oh. yeah. I mean here's another thing for Silverstone though I mean we know that it's just become Lewis Hamilton's home second home and here him. now he's going to Silverstone and he's potentially got George Russell to beat in the Merc, regardless of where they are on the grid. He may not be right at the front anyway. Odds are that he won't be. 
And then Lando's due for a decent result as well. Mm. So you've got three Brits there. And it could be, and it'll be really interesting to see how Lewis approaches the weekend because he'll be desperate to do well, desperate. Imagine, you know, if the car can continue the progress it made in Canada and he might actually be fighting for a genuine, not win, but maybe P2 and then oh. might lack into a win. But if that, but that's a big ask, isn't it? it? Is for Mercedes at Silverstone to come back and, gr- and, and to build on Canada and come back with a car that gives Lewis a real chance of winning. <laughs> Big ask, but it'll be interesting to see if they can do that and whether Lewis, how Lewis paces his weekend as well and how he goes over the weekend. I, I, have, I haven't done my homework. Is it a sprint race qualifying at Silverstone? Not Again. this year, I don't think. No, okay. Well, it's a good thing, isn't it, in a way? I must say I'm quite pleased about that because I'm not, I'm not a great fan of those Big sprint fan. races anyway, but I'm amazed that Formula One, having held it in one year, isn't holding it the next because they Why tend not? to, you know, once it's there, they just continue on. Yeah. That's good news, actually, in a way. It shows something yeah using some judgment there which is good the more track time we can get around silverstone the better for me to be honest peter so i wouldn't have minded mm. another sprint race although it does end up being a bit of a procession mm. but anyway mr mm. windsor there I'm, we are i've run over my time thank you so much cameron no no it's good to talk anytime mate love to uh, chat to you and what you're doing well done congratulations oh, on, on your work and uh, always good to talk to somebody as passionate as you and to swap ideas. I always learn something anyway. Oh, Mr. Windsor, you're an absolute your eyes and ears open. That's, I, I don't believe that for a second. I mean. that, oh, behave yourself, Mr. Windsor. <laughs> it's me doing the learning. Peddlers, right honourable friends and colleagues, F1 scholars, if you can do me a favour, obviously, like, comment, subscribe, and share the video. Yep, if do you that. haven't already, Peter Windsor, I know you guys already subscribed, but in case... Let's not do something egregious. Go over to Peter Windsor's YouTube channel, like and comment on his latest video, which, by the way, is a breakdown of the Canadian Grand Prix. Superb, as always. Subscribe to that channel. And then lastly, here's your final action. Homework. Get over to twitch.tv forward slash Peter Windsor. All of those links will be in the description, of course, and absorb some of the, the knowledge, the fountain of knowledge that, that is Peter <laughs> Come on, Windsor. Cameron, that's enough. That is Peter um, Windsor in long form. Yeah, too, yeah. too, too humble, Mr. Windsor. Thank you as always. Oh God, thank sir. you, mate. It's really been good. a privilege and an honor. We'll, we'll catch ever. up again. Thank you.